Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Raphael. Oh. I'm a bear. <laughs> Did you ever see that video of the sort of homeless guy on the highway and he has that golden radio voice? Oh, yeah, yeah. The 99.9 Mix FM. Yeah. the oldies. Radio. <laughs> radio. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was great. Do I you think everyone th thinks they have that voice until they hear a recording of their voice? I mean, definitely. I mean, I've but I've known I've had a terrible voice my my entire life. Like, why is it terrible? Like when I when I sing, even in the shower, I'm like, mm, this isn't. Good. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. Do Who invited that. you here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So, um, any you want to chit chat, or we get right into it? Well, you know, uh, we were chit-chatting right beforehand. We, we broke our cardinal rule. You asked me a few questions. Well, we, we, we can do a 10 minutes of COVID lifestyle, but it, uh, it's, it's starting to get to me. I, I think the first few months I was really, oh, this is an interesting social experiment, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, let's make the best of it, and I'm a net artist, so it's great, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But now it's been almost a year, and uh, yeah, restaurants mm -hmm. closed again, which New York without restaurants is... Uh, You're like, why am I here? I, I said to Kristen when I woke up this morning, I think something's off with Raphael. Why did <laughs> you think like, so? I just get, I get like international vibes from you. I'll be oh, like, wow. mm, something's off. And, yeah. And, uh, and sure enough. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we're all tired. Did you watch SNL though? They had some good sketches. I like the one with the two rappers. Uh. <laughs> That's why I went <laughs> skeet, skeet. Yeah. <laughs> when I said hello. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's it's funny to me that in rap the old generation is so pissed off that the new generation doesn't have any skill and they get all the the plays on TikTok and whatever and they just use three words per song, um, and and I feel like in rock people have always been so respectful of history that the genre stagnated. They're like, yeah, Led Zeppelin is holy, oh, and, I see. Yeah. and that the young rappers. They don't even know. Like the joke in the in that ske sketch was like, "What are your rap influences?" And they're like, uh, "Fallout Boy," <laughs> the hamsters <laughs> from the uh, Geico commercial or something. Like that. Yeah. yeah, so they really don't know their history, and that makes makes them more creative. Which maybe is a good segue into this. But it, you know, mumble rap people like to make fun of it, but at the same time, uh, it, there was a moment where rap was kind of like uh, YMCA, like the village people. People would dress like that for, as rappers. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, Run DMC came along and just had these tracksuits and Adidas. And they said, yeah, after that, it was ridiculous to dress in a Native American leather Velcro costume, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so this movie is also so pared down it, it, it's, that you could critique it a lot. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of home videos. But uh, Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I think this movie for me, uh, so we're going to be reviewing Grizzly Man of, of Werner Herzog. We've talked a lot about Werner Herzog on the podcast, but we've never really yeah. reviewed any of his films. He was yeah. my favorite director until I saw Hermano Olmi, and I was like, oh, he's like the good things of uh, uh, Werner Herzog without the Vice magazine angle. Mm. Um Well, like Herzog, yeah, the thing about Herzog is he's the anti-filmmaker, right? Like filmmaker. That's what he positions himself as. Like, yeah. yeah. He positions himself as this kind of existentialist, like 
that film is an illusion and he's like he's going to be the the truth teller that kind of punctures the ecstatic truth <laughs> punctures the truth and yeah. the cinema and the, the cinematic image does and hyperbolic like, we, yeah like but it has to be probed so but, i think he's but, like but uh, just like to intro a, this a little bit yeah we should i always it. like to i i always like to ask you what streaming platform did you use to watch this movie uh it was on amazon it was free right yeah yeah, so to our listeners, if you want to watch this movie, I would guess that 80% of our listeners have seen this movie. Like, it, I remember a lot of... My, it, it, was the, it was an indie film that somehow everybody saw, even like a mainstream audience. Well, I think uh, Kristen was asking, like, why'd you watch that one? I wanted to watch this other one, like, from there was in the jungle, an earlier film of his. She had spent some time in this jungle that he visited. Okay, and which I, I one said, was she talking about? Uh, it's it's one from like 1982. I can't remember the name. Is it, it. Little Dita Needs to Fly? No, 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 no. It's like, it's he's in the jungle. Um, Is it the one where he's like, I only see terror and fornication and murder? Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a good. I think that's book that's the documentary one. about making the film. Oh, really? A Heart of Darkness. Uh, I think it's called Fitz, uh, Fitzcarraldo. Well, Fitzcarraldo is the film, and this one is the be- behind the scenes, where you see him f- filming. And uh, a, a main thesis of Herzog is that nature isn't nice. Yeah. And so that came out in that movie, but also in this movie. I think my thesis for today is going to be like, Herzog isn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to cancel him? Uh, not necessarily, but I think in Grizzly Man, like so I do I've think this, I know what you're talking about. I, I had a little like, bit of an icky feeling watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched this film now, like I think three or four times. And yeah. Kristen asked, like, "Hey, why'd you choose this one?" I was like, "It's an apex film, meaning it's at a point. It came at a point in his career where he broke through into popular culture." Yeah, he's also yeah. doing his kind of quote unquote best work. So it wasn't at the end of his career, it wasn't at the beginning. It's somewhere in the middle where he's hit his prime. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, I do think uh, that there's a, a style of film essay with voiceover by an auteur director that Wim Wenders and other people did, and and uh, Chris Marker sort of that that era of filmmaking where everything was so weird that Herzog wasn't weird at all. But then when you see this from the context of a mainstream cinema, you're like, why is this old German guy talking over the film? And why is everything hand-filmed? And why is there cello music? And it, right. it seems very artsy, but compared to the context that he came from of, of radical filmmaking, this is quite a solid mainstream presentation. Yeah, it's a good package. Uh, you know, yeah. It's a good Herzog you know, 101 uh, film. And, and, and Timothy it- Treadwell is almost like a Klaus Kinski well, so we should at least set that aspect yeah, up. Yeah. Um, so the the movie centers on a on a character, and I think actually I think we should probably use that term because. It's, Do you know how the the family came across Werner Herzog, or how that happened? How the Treadwell family? Well, yes. he had no family really. I mean, he did. The two no, parents. No, but are his estate or, or like his helpers. No, I don't know the background for, for that. Um, what I mean, but what I can summarize, and if you have any additional context, please provide. But like is that Timothy Treadwell was, um, I guess, in the 1990s, uh, known as, and this is not true in Canada, but in the United States, as someone who you know spent time with grizzly bears and like toured the country, talk shows and schools, talking about these bears that he spent a lot of his time with over the summer. He was an, uh, an environmental bear activist. He was trying yeah. to help uh, pres- create awareness for preservation of grizzly bears. Yeah. 
and he and had this uh, this lone warrior attitude that all the authorities and institutions that were actually protecting the bears that they weren't doing their job. Yeah, and um, well, because some of he spent time on I, the the movie makes this apparent. He spent time on um, in nature uh, preservations and outside of them. So he was well. Like, what, yeah, what happened is for thirteen summers he brought his camera and went to Alaska to live with the grizzly bears, and completely isolated. Mm-hmm. Or that's what he wants you to believe. Uh, so he'd bring his camera along, and then it, the rest of the season he would go to schools, and for free he would do seminars and teach children how important it is to preserve these wonderful bears. And it's kind of crazy. It's it's not like going to look at uh, wild horses or rabbits. These are very dangerous animals, and everybody knows that you shouldn't get close. And he would just hang out with them and film himself. Yeah, and, and so, so that that went that went okay for thirteen summers until one of the bears was like, "Okay, that's it, your dinner." Yeah, in the first five minutes of the film, the, Herzog establishes that he was he's dead and that he was yeah. killed by a grizzly bear. Yeah. Um, so the thing I don't know, and I, sorry for not doing research, I, I thought you would have, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, there's a couple of people who were helping him. They were all female, and they were like presidents of his estate and whatever that means but they were oh, girlfriends and stuff like that yeah and they were preserving his legacy and they must have reached out to Werner Herzog or somehow that's the mystery to me about Herzog that he always comes across like oh we found an old cave that nobody in the world has seen and, and oh, you get to yeah. film it what is the production artifice that precedes Herzog yeah and that's appearance? that's the superhero element of Herzog it's like okay we found this weird mountain and then we're going to carry a boat across it it's his idea it's somehow it's always these amazing stories mm-hmm. like yeah, no, that's wh- a great one question. of these stories seems would make you a legend and for him it's like two per year mm. but didn't like the I, I feel like maybe in in 2005 that was definitely an exceptional thing but today you know I, I think of like um, you know like the podcast of a murder mystery kind of scenario where everyone is now like a investigator that's uncovering yeah, yeah. the truth. What call some, it citizen journalism? Citizen journalism. It's like what I think ultimately about in, in regards to this film and Herzog, the, what you, the point you just made is that this is a film not about Timothy Treadwell. It's a, a film about Werner Herzog. And, and it's a film about, about acting and the roles we play. Yeah. But ultimately, if you think about it, like Treadwell in, and Herzog share a lot in common, right? Yeah. Where Treadwell was looking for some meaning in his life. He was formerly like a drug addict and alcoholic, the way it's told in the in the film. And then he goes and he finds he finds connection through trying to connect with these bears. He he finds some meaning in himself, but that meaning is questioned by everyone around him. So there's this kind of existentialism. Yeah. Well, one of the things to me that's interesting about the movie and at the same time disturbing is there's another movie called Into the Wild. Yes. Uh, Do you remember that one? Yes. So it's 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 the same sort of angry teenager, fuck society. I'm gonna break the rules and go where where I'm not supposed to go. Uh, So it's it's like a almost like the catcher in the rye sort of angry teenager thing. Everybody's stupid. Everybody's phony. But these bears, are, they're my friends. And well, like the search for authenticity, you yeah, know, is the kind of classic existentialist. But kind of but pursuit. what's funny is everyone knows that feeling. Not everybody acts upon it. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, when you see Into the Wild, it just feels like an actor and a story. And you're like, okay, whatever. It, it happened, but you don't really feel the reality mm. of it in the film. Right. Whereas uh, this is a, this movie is made almost entirely from found footage. Cause, yeah. Um, Treadwell recorded over 300 hours. This is pre-GoPro, pre-YouTube. Yeah. It's he a specific style of video that really seemingly, looks like... Yeah, seemingly yeah. recording for some future movie making which is also yeah. really magical but so it's it i think the movie starts off you go to the theater or you see it the first time and you're like oh this is this crazy story of a guy that recorded himself and eventually was eaten by bears so, like an eccentric yeah yeah that's how it starts but then as the movie moves along you start seeing that uh timothy treadwell the, the activist was also an aspiring actor he he uh, auditioned for the role that Woody Harrelson got on Cheers and <laughs> right he never got they kind of have a similar physique but he's more messed up and you start to see that he does every shot five times and he keeps going back and then if someone else is in the shot there's actually other people sometimes his girlfriend is there he he hides that in editing and he tries to get everybody out of the shot to make him look like a lone warrior yeah, so he's constructing his own reality and yeah. projecting a constructed reality. And I, reality. I think that's that was the interesting thing of the film. But at the same time, it's a little bit like watching reality TV, and it's clearly a person in pain and a disturbed person, and you're kind of laughing at it. And well, this is, is the okay? thing. This is where Herzog, I think, in all of his films, and one of the reasons I think we even brought him, we we often bring him up, is like. You know, you, you know Herzog's actual opinion when you see the the shots that Herzog himself, not through editing but through staging, constructs right. Like, and so to give you an example, whenever he interviews someone involved in the story, he's brought his own crew and he's instructed the talent in this case, like the real person, just giving their interview to to do certain things. And yeah, when and he, it's also it's also very visually distinct because. Everything well, that Timothy yeah, Treadwell did was on home video and mm-hmm. uh, beautifully shot but poorly lit or natural light. And the other shots are on film and you can, they feel more rehearsed. And Yeah, but what Herzog does in, in any time he does these little montage segment interviews is he you can tell. I don't know if he actually does this. So your question earlier, like let's understand Herzog's production techniques is something maybe we can bring forward in another podcast. But... He, you can tell he asks people to choose a spot in their home or office to that represents their, the most important or proudest parts of their life, and to put like props. You know, the, the scenes are yeah. always very propped, so they're cluttered with personal artifacts that seem to represent yeah, they're very this directed. person's life. They're not spontaneous. Yeah. yeah, they're not at all spontaneous. Like they're well, he, he, he likes to flip the, it. So what he said is in in documentaries he likes to overdirect, and in films he sometimes does. So when you mm, see Little Dieter Needs to Fly because and then the movie with Christian Bale, I can't remember the name. No, no, no. The, the one Richard, It's the same story as Little Dieter Needs to no, Fly. No, no. But uh, he often, when he, in, yeah, when he oh, interviews right, right, people, right, sorry, he yeah. goes to the scene of where something happened and he's like, okay, tell me the story. And they do it 20 times. The same story over and over again until it feels uh, right, more passionate right, right. and less stumbling and... Uh, and so in this movie, you see people sort of trying to act when they're, and then Timothy. Well, I almost don't even, and I almost never even think of Herzog just to pause there for a second as someone who doesn't work entirely in documentary, but you're right. He does work. He has a few works of fiction as well. I think it's about half um, and half. Yeah. And 
Yeah, but I just like no, I you just kind of woke me up because I don't even recognize that in terms of like I was thinking like some of my other favorite films are like Happy People or um, yeah. Cave of Forgotten. Well, Dreams those are less uh, Schadenfreude uh, sort of making fun of people. That happy people, but Happy People. He was, I think he was a producer. Mm-hmm. He found someone who had all the footage and helped them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, his last film that we I brought up on the podcast, which is on Apple TV Plus, is Fireball, and, and I really did quite enjoy it. Where he goes and visits every site of a major, you know, asteroid um, landing in the United States or crater, and not in the United States, in the world. Um, and then, lo and behold, is another film we've talked about where he kind of tries to f- create some physical yeah. portrait of the internet, yeah. which is such an abstract thing. He always seems to go to these like I extreme love in lo and behold, to, he's at the you know, the hallway the of UCLA, where they send out the first internet signal. Yeah. And oh like, yeah. Before us, we see a vile, disgusting hallway, but it is actually the birthplace of the internet. <laughs> But this is the point I wanted to make a few moments ago, which is like these portraits that and scenes like that with the voiceover some off sometimes come off as like laugh out loud, hysterical, like, yeah, this per- you're making fun of this person, you know, like the way they're dressed. and But also, if you were to rescue it from just pure, cruel, like, uh, you know, authorial dismissiveness, you would you would you'd say, well, actually, he thinks that there's something charming in. Um, kind of dismantling the people that he, there's that he something, captures, that there's something well, con- that connects us I all. Think, that we're all. I think kind he of wants like, an honest portrayal, but then the choosing the subject, that's where it gets uh, tricky. But he re- the, 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 the counter-argument is he rarely turns the camera on his own vulnerability. Yeah, he's a superhero. He's, he always seems to be in control. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, your your point about him being a superhero, I think, is not lost. When he does appear, he appears as a savior. Like in Grizzly Man, he appears briefly on camera to tell, to to advise, you know, uh, Timothy's like former, um, you know, lover and girlfriend and partner that she should never listen to the audio cassette. And in and fact, she crying. should destroy yeah. it. The the because there's because there's audio of the yeah. murder of the bear eating him, and and he's like, this will haunt you. He has decided what. Yeah, this he's means kind of righteous her, to her, and he is this advising is way, her. Yeah. yeah, super righteous. And I don't know. When I was watching it, I was like, mm, "I don't feel good." Like even just like when he was interviewing different people in Alaska, it, it almost felt like it was like like a city, like a European, like high society elitist kind of point of view, like coming down to the people to interview like the Alaskan pilot in his like. No, I, I don't agree with you there. I, the I felt like uh, I felt like well, tell me what he looked think. at the tapes of Timothy Treadwell, who seemed sincere, but who actually crossed the line and was trying to save nature, but was getting too close, almost like an Icarus story. And it felt like all the people around that yeah. he interviewed were more respectful. They said, well, the bears are over there and we are over here. And he showed that from different contexts. So there was the... Inuit uh, native population that respected the territory of the bears, but there was also the park rangers, um, just from an institutional side, from a historical side, everybody's like, we got to respect the bears and leave them be. And um, mm-hmm. Well, there's this one point in the film that sticks out for me where he's talking, he's talking over some footage of Timothy Treadwell <clears throat> staging 
shots and coming in and out of shot and doing different little monologue portions. And he's like, he might not realize this, but the parts where he is absent from the shot are perhaps the most poetic about nature. And you just see yeah. like kind of the grass blowing in the wind. And so, you know, in that in that scene, he's like questioning the like the, the authorship is actually the least beautiful well, thing. Well, I, I think that about, this, like the, the, the human present that's in nature, that's the tension is not of the footage goes, of belongs, Timothy right? Treadwell like that you, you're constantly thinking, oh, this is such a rare find. Like the the author is not there to mess with it. Mm-hmm. So, if if they had made this movie and Timothy Treadwell was still alive, he would have wanted to have influence over the editing, and he would have gone on Jimmy Kimmel, or Jimmy Fallon, or whatever. And that would have changed the movie. Yeah. So the absence of Timothy Treadwell becoming a, a historical figure changes the the atmosphere. And then you have all this pure footage of someone really being alone in nature, playing with a fox, walking on a tent. Um, and at the same time, it feels like nature mm-hmm. documentaries are becoming more and more high tech with ultra slow motion and ultra st- uh, stop motion and night shots. Strip like completely stripped of the author or the like the, the yeah but it, the, n- meant to be current nature films feel like CG mm-hmm. like you don't really feel like you're just walking in nature it mm-hmm. feels like a an, a really rich illustrated version of nature and this feels like you're there at points like we're seeing the bears yeah. well Her- Herz- Herzog loves loves the the image that is like amateur created yeah. because he believes it's a yeah. truer image. But then what I like that, in the movie impression. is that he is acknowledging that it feels real, but then you're like, oh, everything's staged. And there, his girlfriend was actually holding the camera. And mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I mean, the one the question I have for you is like, what is the difference between like someone like Werner Herzog and Christopher Guest? So Christopher Guest it makes mockumentaries. We've talked about mockumentary on the podcast before. Um, but, you know, when Christopher Guest does these little interview montages, <laughs> they're almost exactly like Werner <laughs> it, Herzog montages. It reminds me of just... But, except they're the, comedic. On SNL last night, there was a sketch about this other news network that will show you the results of sports matches that you want, just like you can have your own election results if you don't believe the mainstream results. So they, <laughs> they start a network where the Jets always win. It's like, oh, I don't care about your facts. I have my own facts. <laughs> so it, it, it is yeah. interesting. It, it feels like he was a little bit ahead of the curve with this question of uh, reality TV being less real and drama being more real and... But, you know, the point, like, that I can't quite crack is that, like, is Herzog taking himself mm. completely Well, I, I think one of the issues and, here is that he's German and that a sense of humor in Germany is, for us, is unreadable. And um, they're like, no, that is not funny. I was literal. And, and you think they're being sarcastic. It's like, no, this is the literal statement I have made without any humor. Yeah, you know... There's kind of it. There's kind of like a fart <laughs> in the air while you're watching the film, where you know is this sympathetic or not? And I guess that in that way, it's very successful because it causes you to question. Um, but it, you know it, your value system. I saw, which again, I saw an interview with Werner Herzog, and he said that Harmony Korine was trying a prank on him. So Harmony Korine was calling him in another voice, saying, "Hey, I sell door-to-door paintings, and I want to sell you a painting." And he thought at some point he would get the joke, and Herzog mm-hmm. would just keep saying. 
No, I don't have paintings. I just have maps on my wall. They are functional. I do not like to have decoration. <laughs> and, and the joke just didn't land. Yeah. <laughs> no, so and I've had this with German joke. friends and also Brazilian mm -hmm. friends where I'm being sarcastic and the, the joke doesn't land. And they're like, uh, what? Uh, why are you saying something that is not mm -hmm. true? Yeah, because there's a lot of people have made well, fun of it, it Herzog. Made, and, I, this, this, you know, because his yeah, but he has it, become it, such a character. I relate to this personally story. Um, it's the first year of art school, and the year started with an inspiration week. So they take us to different exhibitions and performance art, and we went to an exhibition that was clearly bad. Uh, it was uh, someone had just put uh, pieces of cotton on the street and then rubbed charcoal on it, so you'd see a print of the street, and that was the work. And then as a joke, I, I was like, with a bunch of new friends, I'm like, please, I need a moment to take this in. This is really life-changing. And I, I was friends with them later on, but at the time, mm -hmm. they said they were laughing behind my back. They're like, this guy is weird. <laughs> and I think you talked about that a lot, too, with your performances and your startups. And you're like, what do you think? You're like, I don't yeah, think this is yeah. such a good product. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm interested in personally as an artist is like, is is that line and i and i'm my question actually is whether herzog is i think herzog is aware of that line and is also interested in it and is interested in sort of like because treadwell was interested in it right like treadwell was interested in who you know pot potentially reconstructing an image of himself uh, that was different than the one that had been imposed upon yeah. him by others you know so that his own if he could create his own value system his but it's not his own. View. That's the funny thing, because you know, he was, also acts like, a, like a movie character and he wanted to be an actor. So he's like, I want to be the lone hero. So he, he, like he watched the movie Blade or something yeah. and he's like, oh, but I want to those sunglasses. Feels, it, but it feels to me a lot like a brand <laughs> strategy <laughs> you see, meeting. You see everything. To <laughs> like, 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 honestly. Yeah, but also like the, the self-reflexive part, if not present, you know, is where... Yeah, so tread so Treadwell's not aware, but is Herzog aware, right? So like, but can you be the aware lack of awareness and be of the construction? Because I, yeah, that's the, I, I that's often the line. think that's about the, that's uh, the line we're talking when you about. think of heavy metal, you see the the music videos or the concerts, and you're like, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. They're like dressing up like it's medieval times and singing in an operatic way, and people take it seriously. Like people get tattoos and whatever, and so yeah, it's the, it's sarcastic and naive and uh, aware at the same time because the the music is really impactful and at the same time at the same time you feel it and at the same time you're in on the joke. Yeah, but I'm also kind of thinking: is this a fixed in time position? Like, so if you think of that awareness in a moment, for example, I don't get the joke right now, right? But then it excludes the potential for you to get the joke in the future or to have preceded that point in time understanding the joke. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if if 10 years later, Timothy Treadwell was still alive and he looked back on the footage, yeah. would he see himself as naive or would he see sort of the growth well, that he experienced that movie, over um, that, that period the, of time? Uh, the Room. Do you remember that movie, the the worst movie of all time? And then they remade it 
uh, Seth Rogen and the other actor. Oh, yeah. And that guy is still alive, and he would promote the movie, and no one really... He was a billionaire. Nobody knew how. He and he made that movie. And like, mm-hmm. Is he serious? And it's never really clear. <laughs> but then, let's say he had died, and no one even... Yeah, that's even more mysterious. But that we would ever evaluate, I guess that's just the, but, like a, it's a reality we can't escape. That we must evaluate in the present. We can't evaluate. But we're based talking on about realism in, in film. But I, I just think so. When you think of Il Posto, of yeah. the the young boy entering uh, job life, and it's a little bit exaggerated, but it still feels like it could be you. And there's less of a, mm-hmm. haha! Look at this guy; he's an idiot. Uh, you don't feel bad necessarily, but you don't feel great for the main character either. It, no, I think you're making an excellent point, which is that you you kind of see yourself yeah. having been in that. But with Timothy Treadwell, you don't having, feel like oh, that could have been me. It. No, yeah. So like the the bottom line is that Herzog portrays him as an eccentric that was that like not only misunderstood. But self, yeah. mis- like he misunderstood yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. Like he thought he was heroic, but he was and actually he was actually kind of endangering you know? the bears. And and then the cynical position is that like Herzog seems to indicate that like humankind yeah. is Timothy Treadwell. That we are constantly like out of the loop, and that nature is this like horrific. Well, that, like yeah, you know, kind this of was black where he kept saying he disagreed with <laughs> Timothy Treadwell. So, so Treadwell would be upset. That he would film a bee and a flower that had just died and he's like oh man the bee died and he applied a, a morality or an emotional <laughs> charge <laughs> yeah. to something that is nature is indifferent uh, uh, yeah it's yeah. indifference or and, chaos and, and bears specific, like there's, this, there's always this position that humans are conscious and therefore they could do things like choose not to eat meat choose to treat animals better etc but animals don't have that consciousness, so they just do whatever they want. But 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 the belief is that animals yeah, intrinsically like, are good, and yeah. then you see like, oh, when bears are hungry, they eat their children, their cubs. Yeah, and I think I think this is the other thing that made me makes me squirm a little bit because then it takes he doesn't he interviews that one indigenous person um, at the museum and even frames it with like tourists came in and they wanted to cut the claw yeah. off of one of the exhibits like this bear and how, how insulting the humans were. But like the, he seems to indicate that humans are both, are both animal in certain form, right? Like the tourist is the animal. And then there is the transcendent human that can observe humans for what they are. You know, like, and and therefore there's like two tiers of humans. There's like woke humans and unwoke humans. And Herzog positions himself, I think, as the awake human, like the one that is with the the person with camera. And maybe that's brilliant, right? Like Herzog's like the director gets to be God because they get to tell the stories, right? They write the Bible. Well, he's in control of the story. Everyone else. He's the storyteller. Sort of. Yeah. And so I, I, he looks at chaos, and he from the chaos, yeah. he pulls out a but, story. But a, a big point in the movie right? towards the end um, is that Timothy Treadwell keeps saying, uh, we need rain for these bears to live, and he wants to intervene, and he builds a dam so that the fish can go upstream. And it, it really, he loves nature, but he has a favorite. Like, this is my favorite character. I want this character to win. The fact that they kill the salmon uh, doesn't affect him emotionally. 
Like in another version of Timothy Treadwell could be obsessed with salmon and he could build a dam so the bears can't get to the salmon. <laughs> so so you make a judgment call or you pick right, favorites right. and like out of all the species, this is my favorite. I'm going to protect this species. And then this idea that nature is, is nice and loving and caring uh, turns out not to be true. There are shots that even Timothy Treadwell filmed where there are traces where they ate their own younglings and uh, you just see... A, a, a ripped off arm of a baby bear and you're like okay that happened right but doesn't it like it seem odd to like say that you know okay as a human i'm aware that humans are flawed but to disregard that there well might that's be variations that's that's the same the argument of, of saying uh how can you be vegetarian you should be vegan like people are complicated and, and you want to make a move in the right direction but you can't go all mm-hmm. the way yet and that's often where I also feel conflicted where if we are only animals but we have this layer of awareness, uh, what if my gut instinct is I want a steak? Why should I say no to that gut instinct? Yeah, that's fine. But my whole thing would be like, why, why would your assumption be that yeah. the animal has no awareness? And it's yeah, okay yeah, but to how, eat how, and for the animal to have awareness. No, like, I know, why but, does it need to be the dichotomy? The is that uh, humans in, in many context apply a sense of of guilt and self-restriction throughout history there's always been i think it's more that humans historically sense put a sense of there's order they like imply but but often the order order, is is to suppress the animal instincts of humanity mm -hmm. yeah but also like literally there are charts you know like you know kind of biblical charts where it shows like you know, this person at the top, you know, closest to God, all the way through different levels of humanity, actually, until you get to the animal, which is at the bottom, right? Other religions have other points of view where the animal's higher, obviously, like in Hindu religions. And I don't want to speak out of turn because I don't, you know, I'm not well studied there, but where, you know, a cow Mm -hmm. may be sacred as a cliched example. Yeah, you pick favorites in the species. Like um, we we, ultimately pick cats and dogs. But in both, yeah, in all those cases, yeah. Yeah, someone set up a little bureaucracy or a little like hierarchy, you know, of like, here's the way my startup runs. There's the CEO (laughs) and then there's like the cat and that's like the assistant. And then down below everything boils down to brand and of course the duck is like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, sure. But it's like it's an imposed order. Like humans love finding patterns and Herzog himself like really enjoys this practice of searching for meaning. And he seems to go to the extremes of all his all of his films where he's like. Okay, I'm gonna go like find every asteroid. I'm gonna go to the Arctic. Yeah, it's very funny because he, he he's like in, in, through those. There's a documentary of I don't itself. know if we discussed Tokyo Ga on the podcast. Yeah, and at some point, Ben yeah, Vendor's interviews Werner Herzog, and and Werner is on his way to Australia or something, and he had to fly over and and he looks at <laughs> yeah. the city of Tokyo and he's like, oh, this is for tourists. This is fake. It's a judgment call. And Vin Vendors is like, no, this is yeah. real, and I'm going to film this because people playing pachinko, that's an ecstatic <laughs> truth, right. and that's the real life, and that's real humanity, and not a lost tribe in a very remote area that's living the same way for 500,000 years. Uh, well, maybe not to make this like about Germans being <laughs> corrupt, uh, culturally speaking, but like... Whenever, like, I remember I was uh, here in Toronto, uh, I, I ran into someone at a party or something that was, had come from, had come from Germany expressly to see Canada and the great 
like the great expanse of nature that Canada represented to them coming from Germany because Germans respect nature. That's like a, you know, that's why they want to look yeah, at the they poop have, or whatever. Yeah, they have the like whole health the, food, organic, <laughs> the whole school uh, alternative medicine tradition. Yeah. But nature is not fully available, quote unquote, anywhere in Europe because it's like so cultivated. Know, so, but so um, yeah, it's pre it's pre colonized, right? Yeah, it's so cultivated. It's been colonized so many times. So like this, there's I think frankly like a yeah like a derogatory point of view in some ways that like okay the great wilds exist on the other side of the ocean like it's this colonial point of view even though great civilizations well I know, think you're overthinking uh, that already. one because. And the, but but no no but like when I ran into this person they they were I was in Toronto and they're like what if they were so I think I've said this pod, on the podcast before they were so like despondent they're like I came seeking nature and what I found was an industrial wasteland you know like it was just like they were so uh, upset that so we the, had the nature is not so empty their fable well that because if you're if you land in Toronto you're three hours from nature you know you're yeah. like. You yeah. are in the industrial heartland of Canada. And so the fable or the, the romance is completely dispelled if you land here. And most people do land here, right? And you're like, what am I doing in the middle of like this? Because like even Toronto is just all towers, right? It's like, a metropolis. Yeah. It's a huge metropolis. Yeah. So it, it, it completely contradicts the image that you have of the country. It's like, and it's most people's first landing. Experience. I've seen those so infomercials like, of Canada, and they're all drone shots of mountains. And then this song, Canada, come to Canada. <laughs> well, and I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. It does, that nature does exist. But it also, like, to tie that to the identity of people is, like, um, I think wrong yeah like, and so but this idea Werner, i think it's this idea Herzog of purity is, right that that yeah. if if humans haven't touched it yet it's pure yeah because humans humans are separate from nature that's right yeah and it's a colonial attitude in a way even though the colonizers were like looking to um actually expropriate <laughs> nature, right? it's like, funny it's like oh we found this place that's so un-european let's europeanize it a bit yeah, yeah, like it just reminds me of like the sa yeah. the savages kind of like um, the demonization of like the the people that uh, were but maybe you know in in North maybe America, you have a problematic respectfully in balance uh, with nature. Maybe you have an issue with the idea of the observer. That no matter Herzog comes where he comes from, he can't change that, and then he goes around the world to different places and looks at it from his point of view, and he is European, but he he can't mm -hmm. change that. Um, he will always see things yeah. through the the trajectory of his life, and he was born there. And then he goes places, and it's his point of view. And then you bring in what happened 400 years ago, and you're like, oh, this My is kind of like those mean people from 400 years ago, and he's just the same. But you, but Herzog does go to that museum to interview, you know, a you know yeah, someone from yeah. the local indigenous groups, right? Like he could have done a, a larger section. And in Happy People, which you said, you know, yeah, regardless of whether he was the director or not, but producer, he there yeah, does seem well, to be more. I think that movie is more respectful because it doesn't have a clearly mentally ill person as the main character. Well, it's only, but Treadwell's only clearly mentally ill because posthumously we've decided. No, you know, I think when you see the shots, it, Ill, it right? seems uh, he's not okay. He, he keeps saying, oh, he, he talks to animals. He say, you know, well, women don't really like me. And 
uh, there's something wrong with me. And <laughs> yeah, but he's he, alone in the woods. Like I can, I honestly, while I was watching the film, I was like, hmm, someone's going to make a movie about me. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, it's going to definitely not be, I'm going to be cast yeah, off as like yeah. this eccentric. Um, maybe that's fine. Yeah, but, I but I, I do think uh, in well, the whole, if, if you look at the whole body of work of Herzog, I feel like he's respectful. I don't feel that... I don't know if you remember, that's maybe the most extreme, but there was that video series called Bum Fights. Do you remember that? Where yes, they, I do where they would, that. Yeah. And from them, like, same, yeah, they, same era they would as go Grizzly on the, 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 <laughs> like the streets of LA or whatever and pay homeless people to fight each other. And uh, it was somehow legal. Like, it's a loophole. And, and it's awful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not at that level. Yeah. Well, maybe it's worth mentioning, like, just how um, prolific her yeah, is at this hero. point, though. Like, how many movies? I mean, he's, well, the, he makes at least one movie well, it, a year, if not it's two. It's funny. So. Like, once you're in movie world, you're, like, comparing different filmmakers. But when you know how hard it is to even make one film for any person and to get it yeah. distributed and et cetera. And then when you think about it, a lot of movies get compromised and then uh, maybe years later, they released the director's cut. And they asked uh, Herzog, would you ever release the director's cut? He's like, no, what are you talking about? All my movies are director's cut. Yeah, he's <laughs> made, but he's made 60 feature films, yeah. which I think is like... I remember one year there was like three Herzog films out. And you're thinking, you know, is it, what what's left to say, right? I guess the question is like... Uh, and we chose Grizzly Man. It's 2005, but since 2005, yeah. he must have. Well, like he did say films. that it became easier over and time because ma- uh, his production team got bigger and more support, and uh, also filmmaking got cheaper. And so I, th- I think he was already mm-hmm. uh, he was used to uh, filmmaking being so tough that as it got easier a bit, as his name grew and the technology became easier, he's like, "Let's go." Right. Right. And similar to last last week's filmmaker, he is also a post war filmmaker. Like kind of yeah, uh, he he talked about the growing up in in Germany after the bombings and it being so fun as a kid, just going around through the rubble. And um, what one of the th- things I want to remark about him is he feels like a person who who grew up outside of pop culture. It feels like most films are always. When you think of David Lynch, he plays with 50s music to bring up a nostalgic feeling and then maybe jazz music to bring up a different feeling and a lot of cultural references. And it seems Herzog just grew up in a monastery where they only played mm. cello music until he was 40 and then they let him out. He's like, what well, is what this I, Super like, Mario? Who is Mario? Why is he super? <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously just did like 30 minutes on his egocentrism, but like the flip side of it is the volume is evidence of experimentation. Like, so like why make a movie after Grizzly Man or why make 30? Well, because, you know, you're, yeah. you're potentially interested I, in I'm, I'm always in favor of, uh, I, I try to think of that. When you go to the Van Gogh Museum, Van Gogh didn't paint his whole life. He, he had different callings and he thought he would be a minister or a preacher and he did so he only painted for 10 years and he made 1200 paintings in 10 years so like one painting every three days for Mm -hmm. 10 years and when you go to the van gogh museum you see he has a lot of missers a lot of and and i find that 
much more encouraging than uh, a sort of Steven Spielberg, James Cameron, or even Stanley Kubrick. Everything has to be perfect. And uh, yeah, you're reminding me of like a, I read this. Um, Christopher oh yeah, Nolan, about the streaming this week. In, re- in regards <laughs> yeah. to Warner Bro- the Warner Brothers news that you know Warner Brothers is going to like bring every movie direct to streaming yeah. and to theaters simultaneously, and Nolan said like I went to bed working for one of the best studios in the world. I woke up working for one of the worst <laughs> yeah. streaming companies He's in not the world. Happy. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so like inherent in that statement though is this belief that I think Herzog is vehemently against that the studio system needs to be protected that the film empire the the castle yeah. the walls must not be breached but herzog says fuck the academy because he even says that like well in this film even this film yeah. like you would yeah he'll, you'll never see this yeah this would never work in a film school they would yeah. give you an f or he doesn't use but it is work. it is true there <laughs> are certain language. shots in this film but, that <clears throat> i thought was so intricate are perfectly composed and and just aesthetically exciting and uh, narratively exciting and uh, like the right mood and and it feels very authentic and I don't I, I don't think it's fair to compare this to narrative films but if you compare this to nature films I do think that this was f- really felt like seeing the bears more than in any other bear film like when you, when you see the bears fighting and well, at some yeah, point the, the if, fighting gets so intense they start to poop and he goes after and then touches the poop. Um, it really feels like you were there. Yeah. Well, you can tell that's where my Herzog on Herzog thing comes in that he's really investigating filmmaking himself too. Like this, like the the Treadwell Treadwell's like. It's not like he's pretty close to these bears in an incredible way. Like they're like 10 feet away from him at times or even literally like standing with him or mauling him. (laughs) Like there is a there is regardless of whether it was right or wrong, like the intimacy is pretty insane at times. Right. Like he's petting the fox in the field kind of thing. Um, And as an image, some of those images are, are remarkable. But in addition, it's like the same way sometimes a home movie is more beautiful than, you know, like the, than a than an art film. There are moments where like little accidents happen, and Herzog calls those out, right? Where like the foxes run into that one scene, um, kind of. I like the one where the, where the, the fox steals his hat. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like yeah. chasing after him. Yeah, there's like just some there's beauty in just the the everyday. Did, did you watch um, bizarre the the Netflix um, film about scenario. the octopus? Kristen watched it without me and said it was incredible. So please it's, um, summarize for... It's a guy, it's um, not really clear how he's able to do it, why he has the time and the money to do it, but he lives near the beach and uh, decides to go swimming every day and becomes friends with an octopus and films the octopus for a year. So it's also a very intimate documentary of... Uh, but there is this little sort of frosting on the cake style of storytelling that is a little bit cheesy or a little bit too sweet for me. Um, the way the stories that we're all connected you, you know. there's 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 a sort of reality TV make it clear for a white audience sort of layer oh a there's a value bit. system yeah, yeah, embedded yeah. in it like this is this yeah, is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. we should and, be and, and so it, it's amazing but it, mm-hmm. the tone of voice is not exactly doesn't resonate with me but I think both these films are a reaction against 
the overproduction of nature films right now. I don't know if you watch any sort of well, National Geographic. Also, uh, the no, I think BBC, you're right. The, 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 they, they feel like a video game now. But I think on top of everything else is a lot of, and I, like I just bought an electric car, so I'm going <laughs> to paraphrase all this is like saying like, I really, I, I'm not, I believe in global warming. I think we're actually destroying the planet, et cetera, et cetera. But a, a whole section of filmmaking has been really dedicated to, it's almost like, um, it's almost like commercials for in favor of, Hey, you're, the message is not getting across. We're going to get increasingly rhetorical. So we've like, you know, there's a rhetorical staircase where now it's like, if you put, if you were to put an image of a, an animal on screen embedded in that image, no matter what, even if it wasn't your intent now, is yeah. this and the animal is good in the, like the, in, uh, 25 humans years. are bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and you in relationship to this image, because the way you now experience nature and forever forward will only be through screens. And so, <laughs> and by the way, it's an 8K museum of now. It's like a museum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, no, but this is the whole thing. I think that's a really exciting point, which is like, we must capture this in the highest fidelity. I, I, there's an artist uh, um, named Morrison. I don't know if you're familiar with her, Morrison, and she does this. This she did this work that really set her career off, and I think it's really brilliant. Where, when ISIS was like bombing all the monuments in Iraq, she was like really critical that there were all these Americans racing to scan in hot in like high end three D the artifacts before they were destroyed, and her criticism was that like that is a form of colonialism to try and capture in the highest fidelity and then like preserve because it's ignorant of time, right? It's ignorant of culture. It's ignorant of the politics at play. And it's saying that all this place is good for, and potentially this is like the, a terrible mm -hmm. argument that I'm thinking out loud. It's like all this world is good for is humans, the our, us as humanity's ability to preserve our value system yeah. over nature, right? Like the, the hierarchy yeah. must be maintained. And the only way to maintain that is to recognize that we have destroyed it and the sanctity of nature must now be like our, our fallback. It, to bring this back to, to Werner Herzog, there's another film where he talks about the original sin of humanity was to travel for fun. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> That's definitely like, that's yeah. like a gratitude but the, thing too, right? It's like, yeah. how dare you This idea that, oh, I'm just going to go for fun fail. and... and uh, that that somehow also makes for an impure experience, whereas if you're an explorer because you need food, it's real. But it's so complicated because, it, yeah, then you get yeah. to this sort of very long discussion of like, no, what, what is right really now, important like for biggest, your life, biggest what, what is important is for your survival, and all the other things are frivolous. In Canada right now, there's a large controversy that probably it, it's pretty easy to solve, but maybe it's not, but between indigenous groups and like these white fishermen in the Maritimes and the indigenous groups have rights to fish in an area where like, and this is to get lobster where the white people have been banned. And they're like, well, this is our resource. We have rights to it. It's written into the constitution and the like, you know, the white fishermen are extremely poor or lobster people, fisher people, Fisher, I just realized fisherman, like I shouldn't be saying that. What's the Fishers. correct term? Anyway, the fisheries, uh, the fishers, um, yeah, are like 
fuck that. Like, we're going to take it as well. Like, we all have a right to this. It's economic. We have an economic right. And there's this, it enters into the world of like where capital gets perverted with nature, which is our right to nature is our right to consume. Wow, this is all getting very meta. Even within indigenous groups, (laughs) yeah, we should watch out. But like, ultimately, um, Treadwell had the similar belief that he had a right to that that grizzly sanctuary to protect it. I think that's the criticism that Herzog makes that ultimately we should probably uncover. And it's a valid criticism that yeah. why should Treadwell be the one that had right to something that was already protected? Yeah, no, that, that to <laughs> right? me, it was where it um, really got to the point no where he was ineffective, but it was about his ego. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it's this weird, but that's what yeah, I mean. He maybe he was with, saying, my, but he was saying my identity doesn't exist. Yeah, but that's that movie exist. reality that, thing where you always like, think in the film. there's one superhero that's going to solve the entire problem when in reality it's institutions that are democratically funded and chosen and that work together that can change things. But then the perception is that the institutions aren't doing their job and then people don't trust them and they're like, I'm a vigilante for nature and I'm going to fix it all with the shotgun. But here's a controversial point. Like, like is identity or one's right to an ide- identity, like, is that the actual problem? Is that the capital gesture? Is that the consumption? Right? Yeah, like, to yeah. consume oneself is the problem. Well, uh, to, to me, what, what was the clear problem, and I see a lot of people suffer from it, is, is uh, living up to the movie reality. Like, oh, my life is not good enough as I see on TV or on TikTok. And mm-hmm. these celebrities have such an amazing life or nature is so perfect that I'm going to go there. And then I'm sad that bears actually eat their own children. And we've talked about this a lot. Like embedded in that, though, is this whole hierarchy of like, I have to step yeah. up this ladder yeah. of value. Well, it, it seems like that's... Uh, to be worth something. A lot of human nature is, is hyperbolic statements and then living up to them, so whether it's uh, the Bible or, or any other story. And the Bible says, okay, you, you should not have any desires and you should be a good human and no one can do it. And then everybody has this goal that's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and it's like, oh, I have all these desires. I, I just wonder I really wh- like to do A, B, C, and D. And like, no, you don't. So we, we, you and I both brought animals uh, into our life in the last couple. Of I years did not bring the animal. Like Christina homes. brought it. <laughs> but have you observed anything in regards to like your relationship to soda? Uh, Soda's uh, Frenchy, pug? yeah, pug, right? Yeah, French French bulldog. Sorry. Um, no, that's fine. But uh, I've noticed that soda's <laughs> really good at making people happy. So when you go on the street and people, especially now in quarantine, they're like, oh, thank you. I just wanted to pet a dog for three minutes and you made my day. So that aspect mm-hmm. I like, somehow it doesn't work on me. So that's the, that's a bummer. I, I well, don't, I I don't like, become you know, happy from like there cuddling was something... with a dog. I was considering like your existential observation of this animal to probably be something because you often talk about like reaching like equilibrium of yeah self-worth yeah. right like that you are you are you are fine as you are and you should yeah, you, you yeah, should not yeah. hate yourself right? well like, uh, like removing I, like, the guilt of like the selfishness of art making yeah of being yeah like uh, Scully, my kid, my cat is like in a tiny box that's too small for them right now, like just like six feet away from me, curled up, like sleeping. 
uh, from occasionally looking up to see how I'm doing seems perfectly at peace. And like, that's a romance image that I have of this, this cat. And I often think, you know, throughout the day, wow, would I, what would I give him that level of peace? (laughs) But what, what kind of <laughs> like, we, but that's this year has like, kind of been like being a pet, like just inside all day, and uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like we share the same space and essentially the same routines. Like I look forward to lunch and dinner more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's been really hard this year to tell the yeah. difference between myself and a cat. Yeah. The only difference is, I think that I, you know, the party to this conversation is like. Do I think I'm better than the animal? Why for what reason? are you like, in competition? You know, because she, or, yeah, exactly. No. I don't think that that's very healthy. That's not a good way to think about it. The only thing I can be like critical of where Scully's concerned is like too much of a focus <laughs> on mealtimes. Yeah, that's, I, I, I'm a little bit with the it's dog. Like, um, we noticed that Christina's parents' dogs, they live in the suburbs. They're very, suspicious of uh, incoming traffic any new human being is suspicious and they start growling and soda like (laughs) any human being she sees she just jumps all over and is so happy and it seems she's more excited by strangers than by us and so that's why i'm a little bit suspicious with this idea of the the love of a pet is like (laughs) i think she just really likes human beings because they have snacks well i think the one thing that reveals I didn't have pets growing up. And so the one thing that I have learned having a pet is that I've had two and that they have a personality and that the personalities are different. And I think that is remarkable and something even in Grizzly Man, he talks about the different animals having different personalities. And I think it's kind of a beautiful aspect of what Treadwell captured. He names them all. And I don't know if that's anthrocentric, but I, I, I don't think it is. I think if you turn it upside down, it's like, the opposite, which is to say that it's like, it's just like um, a, a recognition that there are multiple consciousness. I, I think you have in, to be careful in that, this world, right? uh, like that there, there are human things like we have words for different species. Uh, so we call a tree a tree and a mm-hmm. flower a flower. And then you can start breaking that down. And it's like everything is one. And these words are setting boundaries between things that are symbiotic. And that's restricting your mind. And at some point, yeah, you're yeah. just a human being, so it's in your character to point at things and want to classify them. And if you start breaking down everything you do, then you just can't live anymore. So if it's if it's mm-hmm. in your nature to no, no, yeah, for sure. have a favorite out of the different bears and create a relationship with one, you could you could be like, oh, you should work on that. Great. You should love yeah. everything equally. No, no, I'm not. I'm not definitely not like uh, implying. No. That. I actually don't know what I'm implying except to say that, um, you know, I live with an animal, and I, you know, to distinguish between myself. What do you and do about animal, the cat like, hair? I'm constantly trying to figure out the differences. Kristen's really great at, at being uh, at cleaning up after the cat. But I'm, it, is, I'm pretty bad. Is at everything covered in cat hair? Mess, so, well, we don't oh, really have okay. any fabric furniture. Um, no. So no. But there's yeah. there is hair. For uh, it's sure. driving me insane. It's mm-hmm. like every time I, I clean the sink, I come back. What? You should get a robot vacuum cleaner. That's oh, what the robot dog is going to eat the robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Oh well. 
Okay, well, we got a little crazy. We yeah. went a little nuts on this episode. I, I'm sorry I, I, I often think yeah. so. I, I do love you, Herzog films. If you do a time lapse of cities and you see them growing and less and less nature, and then the nature is outside of the cities, whatever. Do you remember in Transformers there was like a planet that was covered in buildings? It's just a big techno planet. Is the whole planet is one metropolis? Yes, I'm like, yes. what's wrong with that? I mean, uh, well, like on my yesterday, I w we were captivated. We were at my sister's house by a hawk, which was like living on a telephone pole. And like we saw it like <laughs> yeah. hunt mice. I, I, yeah, Christina <laughs> was know? starting to get worried because there were stories like, of is hawks that hawk lesser? Uh, hunting chihuahuas and whether they could pick up soda too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually, that becomes interesting. And, and when you when you kind of grow up in a rural area or you observe how people that are closer, quote unquote, to nature behave, they often are the first people to say like, yeah, I hate raccoons. I got to shoot them. There's no yeah, like yeah. no better squirrel than a dead squirrel or whatever. Um, and like my brother, I was visiting my brother. He lives in the suburbs here in Toronto. And he was like, I hadn't seen him in a while. And I, but he spent a good 10 minutes talking to me about how horrible <laughs> the just, rabbits were. He's trying to grow vegetables. And that the rabbits ate everything. his garden. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they were these unethical creatures that could care. And know, they just breed so quick, and et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're overtake plague. everything. So there is that, like, that's a, that's a historic tension between the sanctity of, like, the city wall and One like, of the, the things I've, I've is found like is that uh, maybe I'm just going hiking in the same sort of spots, but I've, I've been walking in forests in... Uh, Europe, North America, South America, Australia, and Japan. I've went to different places, and it all feels pretty similar. I, I feel like you could easily... Of course, there are different birds in Brazil and monkeys and all that stuff, but the, it's still, I'm like, I feel like... For me, just cities mm. are more entertaining. I'm like, wow, I'm in Tokyo. Wow, I'm in Rio. And uh, yeah. I think your point earlier, though, I mean, I like all landscapes, but cities are... So I'm playing a, a video game right now, Cyberpunk Yeah, that's the big one right now. came out yeah. two days ago. Much hyped video game. I think I misquoted it as Cyberpunk, like 40, yeah. 2047 or something on the podcast a few months ago. But um, Kristen was like... It, it's by the people that produced this game called The Witcher, which is like more bucolic. It's set like in rolling hills with blowing grass and trees and... Kristen's like, why are you playing this city game? I really want, you know, I prefer if you would play games. <laughs> She's so in control of your media consumption. And yeah. well, it's more for her because she likes to just kind of like, if you played these games or Red Dead Redemption, like getting on a horse and kind of like strolling around this artificial nature is actually a strange, it's like a strangely meditative thing. And then honestly, I like, I kind of get what she's saying because I was playing the game last night and I had the audio on. It's like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, you were not it's on just headphones. Like this intensity is like, oh my god, there's coming from the left. There's another guy. Watch out! And it's like, people I think are dying uh, having like someone play video on. games on speaker like, while you're trying to do something else that's pretty much impossible. Well, but this game like ratchets the intensity up for anyone out there playing it. Like, it's it, like industrial it, like, ratchets techno it up to like 25, yeah. and it's just it is it's, it's extreme. Like I was like. I said yesterday at one point, I was like, my chest feels really tense. Maybe I have COVID. She's like, no, you've been playing that video game. <laughs> uh, and it's all, it's designed, we should do a whole podcast on it because it's really cinematic. Like it's, and is it's it Blade all first Runner -esque? person. Um, 
Well, yeah. like Keanu Reeves is in it. Yeah, it, it uses it nails the Blade Runner aesthetic, unlike any game I've ever uh, experienced. It's multi-level. It's like Tokyo, so there's like you're in a city, but you walk around and it's multi-level, and the highways are multi-level, yeah. so it's really like a maze. I it's always feel incredible. when I'm playing a video game, I feel like I'm I think working we could, and not getting paid. Um, yeah, no, I feel the same way. That, that's definitely like, and potentially was impacting my health because like I was unable to escape. Yeah. Christina's also, the, like, she used to be really into Animal Crossing in. and you're like tending a garden and like, is anyone paying you for that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. I yeah, I guess that's the same as wearing yeah. a, a I think brands it's a big on experiment. your clothing and it's like, is someone paying you to advertise the brand? <laughs> well, honestly, I'm uh, the best part of the game is like the character customization. So I'm looking forward to like, you know, just getting my yeah. character look just right <laughs> and like dressing okay. them up and changing their hair. And you can get piercings. The most badass and, version of you. Anyway, it, it literally the yeah. opposite of Grizzly Man. Like that would be the. the All right, um, that's it for this week. Yeah, I guess thank so. you for listening. Um, so we're yeah. we're heading into the holidays. We, you know, we might. Who knows? Will we record? Will we not? I don't know. I'm gonna go. Um, you know, do some yeah. resting. <laughs> I hope you are too. Work on. Are you gonna work on? Are you? Yeah, work on I think so. Always, holidays or? always sketching. Yeah. It's strange. Like for me, is this like? Is it like this for you? But the holidays. You know, the the new year. There's something about it that feels very safe to generate like new ideas i mean there's everyone has new year's resolutions but it's almost i'm like just waiting for the vaccine that's a, that's ideation what it is, is for me. Okay. i just want it to be in everyone's hands and uh, everybody could just start living again that's how i feel yeah well we do want to see um sounds like soda song but we do yeah. want to see everyone safe including soda and christina and all yeah. the frontline workers let's get it over with so many so many we've lost so many people this year it's been a horrible year um hopefully i've heard you know we've heard from quite a few of you who are listeners that um we've been a comfort over this year and 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 i i take that as like maybe maybe extreme uh, compliment we did a roundup of the year last time so we can do that and i do want to do an episode on binge watching in general so not about a specific movie but more because it i do sometimes feel like i'm just actively denying the time I'm living in by talking about cinema when cinema is completely irrelevant. But, uh, well, we barely yeah, talk about yeah, the, yeah. the actual movie making itself. Like, um, I think ultimately like what we, what we're interested in, let's do a roundup yeah. of media. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think that's what we did previously. So it could include cyberpunk 2077, something like that. Or it could yeah. include like, I don't know, dishwasher tablets. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but like, let's do a roundup. Of, maybe it's like a yeah. Oprah's maybe next year we can do a product review situation. podcast instead of a movie review podcast. I have no doubt you could talk. Like, we could have swapped Grizzly Man for you know. Like, I'm looking at the a product yeah. here, Velcro yeah. strips like that. on my yeah. uh, <laughs> kitchen table, and like that would have been fine. Like Velcro, I could probably get you to yeah dish towels to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seinfeld said like you're not you know the great thing about comedy is like you could do 30 minutes on a glass of water yeah or you could spend and, uh, um, a year painting a glass of water it's similar painting yeah, a glass, glass of, water of water is water has, not easy is everything all things yeah <laughs> so much refraction yeah 
Okay, thank well, you for listening. Thank you to you again, and, and yeah, let's record over the holidays. See you and next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care. I'm out in the prime cut of the big green. Behind me is Ed and Rowdy, members of an up-and-coming sub-adult gang. They're challenging everything, including me. Goes with the territory. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. I must hold my own if I'm going to stay within this land. For once there is weakness, they will exploit it. They will take me out. They will decapitate me. They will chop me into bits and pieces. I'm dead. But so far, I persevere. Persevere. Most times I'm a kind warrior out here. Most times I'm, I am gentle. I am like a flower. I am like, I'm like a fly on the wall, observing, non-committal, non-invasive in any way. Occasionally I am challenged, and in that case, the kind warrior must, must, must become a samurai, must become so, so formidable, so fearless of death, so strong that you will win, you will win. Even the bears will believe that you are more powerful. And in a sense, you must be more powerful if you are to survive in this land with the bear. No one knew that. No one ever friggin' knew that there are times when my life is on the precipice of death and that these bears can bite, they can kill. And if I am weak, I go down. I love them with all my heart. I will protect them. I will die for them. But I will not die at their claws and paws. I will fight, I will be strong, I'll be one of them, I will be the master. Still a kind warrior. <laughs> Love you, Rowdy. Give it to me, baby. That's what I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about.